Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, we're all in take five. Hook them up with E and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Uh, conversation coming out on the uh, text line 512-447-3776 on the uh, Mark Cuban rumors. This is uh, Sheldon Adelson's widow. Also, Adelson's a big political donor. It says, some here in Dallas listening on the app think uh, Mark Cuban may be sick. Let's hope that's not true. Uh, this is, uh, guys, 105.3, the fan here in Dallas speculating that Cuban is trying to acquire a casino. And this would be an ideal avenue. Possible. Somebody said Mark Cuban getting gambling passed in Texas and we'll have the first casino, the rich get richer. Listen, I would like to see legal gambling in the state of Texas, but until I see something change from uh, the state capitol, don't hold your breath. Should it be legalized? Should marijuana be legalized in the state? Yes, but uh, why? Well, everybody can have their opinion on that. My opinion is it's very lucrative and tax base and everything we talk about, but uh, I see no in this state with that... Um, you know, governing situation, probably not. But if anybody can push it, it's Mark Cuban, Jerry Jones, Tillman Fertitta. I don't think there's not power, there are power brokers in this state who would, who have pushed for it a lot. Um, you know, the Adelsons, of course, right? The Sands family, big time. Uh, now Mark Cuban is selling a part of the Mavericks to that family. Uh, Jerry Jones, you know, is set up and ready to go the minute that they pass it to go, you know, make more money. And then uh, Tillman Fertitta, of course, down in Houston, he comes from the whole casino family of Fertitas and uh, up in Vegas. So, yes, but the fact that it has it got no momentum this past legislative session would tell you where it is uh, in this state. But uh, we'll keep an eye on that. There is the, uh, the scuttlebutt that May Mark Cuban is planning some type of presidential run uh, as he makes moves, quitting Shark Tank and selling his team and everything that's going on. He's doing something for a reason. And let's hope it's a, you know at least a positive reason like that, not that something bad is happening. Because uh, those are the things you think about, Nick. You think about scandals. Oh, man, maybe there's a scandal. He, doesn't, he needs to get out. Maybe there's a health issue. Or he wants to run for president, uh, which does feel like there's a might be good timing for that here with the election next next fall. Hey, so uh, Nick, Nick Shuley is with us. Uh, Drod Babers is out in the protocols, and I uh, hope he's back as soon as he can. Uh, I'm feeling better going through the steps it takes. But uh, uh, Nick Shuley from uh, the Austin Music Movement, of course, he's the president. Uh, he's the man in the know in Austin. Also the Clark Field creative working in the NIL space with Texas One Fund and uh, the host of a great podcast. If you love Longhorn basketball, you need to be listening for every time a new one drops called The Brotherhood with uh, DJ Augustine and Royale Ivy. And uh, I know you've talked to several of the current UT players, this young team that's 5-1 and one for Rodney Terry, and I want to play something that Rodney Terry said yesterday that relates to the football team that I think is pretty cool. Uh, but what, were, uh, what are your early thoughts on this basketball team there, Nick? Yeah, I think – I mean, it's kind of what I said from the start. Like, this, this whole transfer portal era has, has changed a lot of college basketball, obviously. But I think it's – you know, the part you don't think about is these teams gelling. And I think the, the nice thing for Texas is that they've got – 
you know, they've got a, a little bit softer schedule at the start of the year to try to figure out how to play together. I think we saw it in the first year under Beard where those guys were figuring out how to play together. And then the second year under Beard, they really gelled. And I think this team's going to come together a little bit faster just because we have some older guys in there and some guys that have been there for a minute. But uh, I, I, I like what I see. I think obviously getting DeSue back will be a game changer. But just watching – uh, Caden, Caden Shedrick play against Louisville and, you know, after 27 points in 27 minutes and see how athletic he is and really see what that kid can do that he obviously nothing against Virginia, but they're a defensive team and now letting that kid go. And then Dylan Mitchell really showing up in the, in the UConn game. I was, uh, there's some great stuff. Texas will play Texas state tomorrow night. And then they're going to play a big game with uh, Marquette <laughs> Shaka Smart. next Wednesday, one week from today in uh, Milwaukee. I believe we're on campus at Marquette. Uh, now, you on the on the Brotherhood podcast, you and DJ and Royal talked to Caden Shedrick. Uh, seems like a sharp kid coming from Virginia. Uh, what's the fear of the the long term injury issue with his shoulder? I know it's you know the, I know they're going to be careful with him. Is he worried about it? Yeah, I mean, I think the, like the, like he's still getting treatment on it, as far as I know, and that's kind of what he alluded to, and and that's obviously why he sat out that that UConn game. I was a little worried about him after the Louisville game. He was getting banged up pretty hard, but he. You know, I, th- I think it's I think it's something that's lingering. He said he sat out workouts pretty much the whole summer just because of the injury. So, you know, getting him back healthy is key. And same thing with DeSue. And I think they're taking their time. And you know, things really heat up in January once that that Big Twelve schedule's nasty. There's the Baylor looks incredible, uh, Kansas looks incredible, and uh, you know, there's just there's uh, Houston's Houston's very good. So it's it's going to be a tough conference. And you know, we're kind of going from the frying pan to the fire too going into the sec as well so it's a you know that's I, I like where the program's headed though coach terry's awesome and and he's got that you know he's got some great things happening and getting huge recruits and so the the, the future looks bright it does well speaking of recruiting we'll get back into that transfer portal as we told you the dates are going to come fast here folks i mean uh, big 12 championship game on saturday and then sunday morning you'll find out final four and where texas is going bowling is it a semifinal matchup we'll get back into that debate but also um, then monday the transfer portal opens officially but the the, the flirting period has already begun. We know that. Um, report that uh, Max Johnson, the A&M quarterback, is going to transfer to North Carolina with play for Mac Brown. Uh, and one of the hot names, and you, you mentioned this to me before we get to our top stories and headlines, um, Nick, is uh, you, your, your family is big Washington State fans out in Pullman. Yep, that's where my parents your, met. You said your grandfather's a farmer out there in Pullman? <laughs> my uncle my is. Uncle? He, has, he has a big farm. My uncle and my cousin both have farms out there. In Pullman, uh, middle of nowhere, beautiful country, though. Yeah, it makes College Station look like New York well, City. Well, apparently, again, there's, there's Twitter speculation that their quarterback at Washington, Cam Ward, who's a Texas kid, has already gotten upwards of 10 offers, seven-figure offers, which, you know, you're not supposed to tamper, but, you know, uh, there's no one policing. It's like steroids in the 90s and in base, 80s and 90s in baseball. Uh, no one seems to care. Uh, but Cam Ward is a hot commodity. Uh, might be the hottest quarterback commodity on the market. Malik Murphy will be a hot quarterback commodity come Monday. And this is what Texas has, and Sark has to get his head around. I think he does. He doesn't want to focus on anything but Oklahoma State right now. There'll be suitors from Malik Murphy, and if you're Malik Murphy, what if the Longhorns do make the Final Four? And your quarterback, Malik Murphy's got to say, well, I stayed for the season, Coach, but, you know, this carousel's starting, and uh, I need to take advantage of my opportunity. Uh, could we see a situation, and I think Longhorn fans should be ready for it, if it's just a bowl game, like I shouldn't say just a bowl game, but if it's a New Year's 6-1, you know, Cotton Bowl, Fiesta Bowl situation, you can expect a lot of Longhorns to be seeking uh, the portal, and not for terrible reasons, just because the depth chart's getting so talented. And if you're Malik Murphy as the example, I would look at the running back room. You know, the running back room, Jonathan Brooks will be back next year. 
C.J. Baxter's a five-star. They got two other, you know, four or five-star kids coming in. Uh, the kid from Scottsdale, Arizona, uh, also the kid from uh, IMG Academy. Uh, these, you know, so if you're a, a Jaden Blue or you're one of these – I'm not you know, putting anybody's name out there. I'm just saying, you know, it's getting crowded. And that's credit to Sark and the staff for recruiting at an extremely high level. But um, you know, do you wait around for the ball games? Now, if you're in the, channel, in the Final Four, maybe changes your thought on that. But uh, get ready for Monday. Yeah, they, these are these are good problems to have, right? It's something that that we want. We want to be the team that that has all these players that that transfer that that, that have coaches that that are getting looked at by other people, and you know it's it's part of success. And so I think it, you know it's it's something we want to have, but it's also something we're going to face. And yeah, it's going to be really interesting this year. I think we've got a lot of good talent that that we don't want to lose, but that obviously for their own intents and purposes should probably look around too. So it's. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. And uh, as for Cam Ward, that's a, such a cool story. Uh, here's a story on Cam Ward. He's the Washington State quarterback who played great this year, and your family got to see him. He's from Cleveland, Texas. He's from East Texas, uh, not far from where Tavondre Sweat's from. But in high school, he ran option football. He never threw. Now, he was just a great athlete, and he never threw the ball, uh, Cam Ward. He went to Incarnate Word, where they were just recruiting a great athlete, and discovered, oh, wait, he can really throw. Like, they never asked him to throw in high school. All of a sudden, he's ripping it, and now he's at Incarnate Word setting records, and the Incarnate Word offensive coordinator gets the head coaching, the offensive coordinator job at Washington State, and he plucks him and takes him with him. And now Cam Ward has a chance to be the hot commodity on the portal market because it's, oh, wait, this kid can throw. He can, he can really rip it. He's a good player. Yep, and, yeah, the, and the, I mean, it's, it's another conference situation, right? Like the, the Cougs, Washington State's going to probably end up, I think, in the Mountain West and, along with, uh, with Oregon State. They were kind of left out of the, that, and obviously that's going to harvest their roster. And, you know, talking to my cousin, I think it's, uh, they're a little fearful of what's going to happen sure. to the roster I mean, and everything. Well, if you're a team that, that achieved at a high level, like think about Duke, right? You don't think Mike Elko is going to try to poach some guys from his old team? Down yeah. in Texas, I mean, you, you just do. You know that roster. You know guys that can play and help you in spots you have. Uh, but, yeah, Washington State and then Oregon State are on the outside looking in. They're going to join the Mountain West. Players that, that performed well, they're going to be – let's just where we're at. Uh, you can hate it all you want, but it is where it's at right now. Uh, there still needs to be some guardrails and some – oversight but until it's there it's going to be crazy come monday and it's already getting that way hey let's get to the other headlines though trending topics including that mark cuban story <laughs> top gun Reynolds and lawn equipment bring it to you the longhorns still ranked seventh in the uh college football playoff rankings another week at number seven uh as far as the changes with the penultimate to release last night uh georgia still number one michigan up to two after beating ohio state washington unbeaten in third uh florida state unbeaten in fourth oregon's the right remains the highest ranked one loss team at five ohio state slips to six texas at seven alabama at eight final pieces of the puzzle we played starting friday night washington meets oregon in the pac-12 championship game also the heisman trophy could be cited in that game between bo nix and michael Penix. Uh, on saturday night triple header georgia facing alabama in the sec uh, michigan meets iowa in the big 10 and Indianapolis, Florida State will play Louisville in Charlotte. Earlier in the day, of course, on Saturday, the Longhorns will make their final case when they take on 18th-ranked Oak State in the Big 12 Championship game in Arlington. Longhorns 11-1, Cowboys 9-3, team that stumbled into the season at 2-2, but have won seven of their last eight to reach the title game for the second time in three years. Uh, honors for one of the best Longhorns yesterday. Senior defensive lineman Tavondre Sweat named one of the three finalists for the 2023 Outland Trophy by the Football Writers Association of America. That trophy and that uh, announcement will be announced for the 78th Outland during the Home Depot College Football Awards next week. Senior from Hollisville, also a semifinalist for the Chuck Bignerick Award and the Walter Camp Player of the Year Award. Congratulations to the Longhorn Volleyball 
junior outside hitter Madison Skinner. She was named Big 12 Conference Player of the Year yesterday after a league a vote of league coaches. Texas Volleyball will head into the NCAA Women's Volleyball Tournament and Championships, which starts this weekend. They're 22-4. and four. They're a number two overall seed. And NBA, major developing story out of Dallas, according to Shams Sharania of The Athletic, Mavericks owner, uh, Mark Cuban has agreed to sell a majority stake of the team to the widow of a Las Vegas casino mogul. Cuban will reportedly sell a large portion of his stake at a valuation of $3.5 billion, but will maintain full control of basketball ops. Miriam Adelson, the widow to Sheldon Adelson, sold $2 billion worth of stock uh, in the Las Vegas Sands Corporation on Tuesday, according to Bloomberg. That will facilitate the purchase. Cuban's been a majority owner of the Mavericks since 2000. He is expected to retain operational control in the unusual agreement. He will also retain a strong stake in the team. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Double up discounts this month by getting 5% off any rental or purchase of steel outdoor power equipment by donating two non-perishable food items from Capillary Food Bank. TopGun.net, we'll shoot you straight. We'll go behind the burn orange curtain, bottom of the hour, and hear from Steve Sarkeesian and Mike Gundy. As we are talking college football playoff and portals, we're not losing focus, folks, on the uh, the big game on Saturday. Longridge haven't been there in five years. They've only been there seven times all time. We will not uh, overlook the game on Saturday morning. It's fairly important uh, as an understatement. Uh, can we hear from Boo, though? Boo Corrigan? Got to hear from Boo. This will get your, uh, your dander raised. <clears throat> Consider this. And let me, let me give Reese Davis some credit. Reese Davis is ESPN talking to Boo. He asked exactly the right question, so I don't have to set it up. Texas has a better resume than Oregon as a one-loss team. We always call it the one-loss beauty pageant. Once you, you lose a game, because if you can stay undefeated and you're in a Power 5 conference, you're going to make the playoff. Uh, even at four. I mean, it's just unless, you know, if Texas had won, if there were five, I don't know what they would do. Uh, They'd have to pick one that would be out. But if you're typically, if you win your your games and are undefeated, like Michigan, like Georgia, like Washington, like Florida State, you put yourself in a position of control. If you win, you're going to be in. There may be a case against Florida State, and we'll talk about that, but that's just the way it works. So Texas lost a game, and uh, so that, that's their fault. And they lost a game that they very had every opportunity to win against Oklahoma, uh, and they did not. But uh, that puts you into a what I like to call the one-loss beauty pageant. So that should matter, right? The, the resume and the data points and the facts should actually matter. And this week, a lot of Longhorn fans, for, for weeks now, Texas fans have been saying Texas should be ahead of Oregon for on-field performance. Better win against Alabama, strength of schedule, all those things. Uh, and then Friday, it take, and Friday and this weekend, it takes a new turn where they now have a common opponent. Uh, Texas beat Texas Tech by 50. Uh, Oregon beat Texas Tech in Lubbock in a one-score game that was really close until a late turnover for a touchdown that made it 38-30, to but it was 31-30 late into that game. So now you have a common opponent that you can go with, but still not enough. Here is Boo Corrigan with Reese Davis of why Oregon remains at five and Texas remains at seven. Looking at the one-loss the one lost teams, the highest-ranked one-loss team continues to be Oregon. Now Ohio State is slid in there um, ahead of Texas. But Texas has a strength of schedule that's about 40-plus spots better than Oregon's. They have more wins against uh, ranked teams by your rankings than, uh, than do the Ducks. Why is Oregon ahead of Texas? Yeah, Oregon has continued to dominate. Um, obviously, the loss to Washington early in the year, 36-33. But, uh, coming out of last week and the way they played an Oregon State team that we really respect as a group, held them to uh, seven points as opposed to 34, which they have averaged on the year. And, uh, you know, the, the season Bo Nix is having um, 78% completion percentage. You know, they just continue to impress 
the committee with both the offense and the defense. What consideration was given to the common opponent that those two have? Texas beat Texas Tech by 50, and Oregon beat them by one possession. Yeah, we look at everything, as we've talked about each week that we've been here. You know, we're not relying on one single data point, one single game. We're looking at, you know, we're through 13 weeks right now and making sure that as we do go through it, uh, we are comparing everything. All right, well, okay, Boo, you didn't answer the question A because uh, he asked you specifically what did you take that into consideration. I'm thinking he's saying yes, but you could didn't could have addressed it. Uh, same time, you, if you're considering every data point, Texas beats Oregon on every data point. Am I wrong about this? I'm looking at numbers. I can look at a spreadsheet. Every number favors Texas. If you're asking me, as your local radio host in the, uh, in the morning, to make it make sense, all I can say to you, Nick, because I know you're over there fuming <laughs> about <laughs> listening to Boo. Uh, I was trying not to make noises while he talked. I, I will go straight to the college football playoff website. They have a, the committee has its own website, the, you know, kind of their mission statement, what they're charged with doing. Uh, they rank the top 25 teams and then assign the top four to semifinal sites. They create competitive matchups. Also among their responsibilities, point five, consider geography. So if you're looking for my reason of making it make sense of why Oregon continues to be ahead of Texas, geography. We do know that the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl are the semifinal sites. If you don't think the political parts of a Pac-12 team, either Washington or an old, you know, current Pac-12 team, soon to be Big Ten, Washington or Oregon, playing Michigan in the Rose Bowl is not part of this. I think you're crazy. Uh, you know, the, the Rose Bowl has a lot of power within college football because of its history and tradition. You know, the, Texas would like to be in the Rose Bowl, but you don't think there is some sway. And you also said this accurately, Nick Shuley, that when Colorado got off to the hot start and they were the frenzy of college athletics, the same time Texas took a loss to Oklahoma, Oregon beat Colorado by 100. Uh, ran them off the field. Yep. Uh, month of October. Since that point, Oregon has been perceived to be the better team because people still thought Colorado was good at that point, that Deion Sanders was this miracle worker in Boulder, and Oregon blew their doors off. So it's almost like that perception sets in. Um, Bo Nick, game day went for the, for the Washington game, and it was a really good football game, 36-30, as he mentioned. And from that point on, there's just been this perception that Oregon's better than Texas and is a more, more complete football team. And let's also add that Texas had to survive a couple of games that they shouldn't have been that close with Houston and TCU. They also gave up one, two games, including K-State, with who's number 25 in this ranking, with a backup quarterback, which should favor Texas. But I just think Texas is climbing that uphill battle of perception and consider geography, which is one of their charges. Yeah, I would, I would like to see uh, how Oregon would do without Bo Nix for two games yeah. or losing their starting tailback that's, you know, a Doak Walker finalist. I, would, I think these are, the, these are the pieces of, quote, facts that are getting lost in this. And, and I, you know, I researched uh, uh, what Boo said because Boo, you know, to his credit, is giving a lot mm. of credit – a lot of credit to this uh, this masterful Oregon State team that uh, at, that has dominated San Jose State, UC Davis, <laughs> San Diego State, lost to Washington State, props to them, uh, the mighty Utah they beat, as well as they played Cal, UCLA, they lost to Arizona, they uh, lost to, their their biggest win was losing to Washington by two. 
Like so, uh, and so that's what they're getting credit for, and it's it's once again this perception. And and if you look at Oregon's results on their page, it lists what the teams they beat were ranked when they played them, as opposed to where they are now. Number nineteen, Colorado. That's a big win for them. Well, look, don't don't. And I think a Pac-12 team should get in. Don't, mind you, that I just don't. If if it comes down to, uh, you know, Washington, you know, or, or it's, if it if it comes down to us versus them, like I I, I don't think. I don't even think there's an argument for Oregon versus Texas just because Texas, everything proves factually that they are better and they have done more. Well, as this text on our text line says accurately, uh, uh, boo, we look at everything but consider nothing. <laughs> yeah, look at everything is a very political answer. It means we've analyzed everything. Leave us alone. Yep. Uh, I think geography is huge here. I think this is uh, geography-based, and I think there's politics. that large. And you would think Texas would have some sway in the politic- political side. Um, this is where I'm arguing that Sark needs, if they win Saturday, if they handle their business, he needs to go to work, and so does CDC, and really start lobbying for this team and make all the points that everyone are accurately making. Because I don't think you're going to win out against the Pac-12 winner. I think that's a play-in game. I, I think it's done. And it should be. I think Oregon-Washington winner's in. I think Georgia – and I said this earlier, and I believe it. I believe the Georgia-Alabama winner's in. And this is why the eighth seed Alabama still has a chance, because if they knock off number one, I think they're going to be the SEC representative. I don't know if they're going to be one, two, three, or four, but I think they'll be in uh, at that point. Um, and because it will, that will be the, they will then take the mantle of the best win of the year. Texas will own the second best win of the year. And now all of a sudden Texas has a strong argument, even if Florida State wins, to say, wait a second, we have our starting quarterback. Jordan Travis is out. Your job, and it says it on your website, your charter, pick the best four teams now. You're not looking for the most accomplished team with the best resume all year. You're looking to set up the best two matchups for the semifinals. That's your goal. And if the TV networks have anything to do with it, which they do, uh, do you think you know, the, the, the TV networks want to see Georgia play Jordan Travis, or a backed-up quarterback? <laughs> Who wants to watch that on New Year's Eve, right? It's going to be TCU-Michigan all yes. over again. Well, TCU-Michigan was a great game. It, oh, no, I'm sorry. TCU-Georgia. TCU-Georgia, I'm sorry. Yeah. Wait, was it? That was in the championship game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. That's, I mean, that's last what I meant. year's yeah. last year's semifinal games were unbelievable. Yeah, that's right. That was those were the fun ones. So that was the best day of college football for in the last, you no, know, the last ten years when you had you know TCU and Michigan in that crazy game, and then Georgia Ohio State. Um, you know, obviously the championship game was a throttling by Georgia over TCU, but uh, that all plays into attack in, in, into a factor, I believe. Um, but at the same time, you know, at the end of the day, just root for Louisville. This you know, root. Yeah, we and, have to. We need to win. We need to win. The biggest thing is we need to win, and we need to hope Louisville loses. Well, and, and it, you know, the, the simplest, wins, simplest explanation is there are five power five teams this year. There are four spots. And right now, you need one of those power four teams to drop. You just do. I don't think, but I don't think whoever wins the Pac-12 is getting the winners in. The same with the, I believe, in the SEC. Uh, I do believe, for those asking if, if Alabama beats Georgia, I think Texas would move up and stay ahead of Georgia come Sunday morning. I really <laughs> believe that. Well, because that would give the Alabama win would be the trump card. The Alabama win would then matter more because Alabama beat Georgia. But they're already showing that that doesn't matter is what scares me. Uh, but like I think at that point it would. Showing that Ohio State and Oregon are above us still right now shows me I, that they're disrespecting that loss. I don't. That I, I could be dead wrong on this, and I'll apologize on Monday, but I you know, don't think there'll be two teams from any conference in this Final Four. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, this is going to be a, a, a every conference will have a team. I hope you're right. And one conference will get screwed, uh, whether it's the ACC or whether it's the Big 12. One of those teams is going to be left out. Texas needs that spot to open uh, because I don't think Michigan, there's no chance Michigan loses to Iowa. And though, if, the, if the SEC and the Pac-12 are playing games, you need that fourth spot. And that fourth spot is Louisville. You either have to make the case against a backup quarterback or you need them to lose. Yeah, you can't leave out a Big 12 slash ACC. Like, you Agreed. cannot rent, we'll uh, leave out the winner. That's, that's irresponsible. You're, especially if ACC is 13-0 and 0 or 13-0 and, you know, and, and a conference champion. Texas 12-1 and 1 as a conference champion. Agree 100%. All right, we'll come back. We'll go behind the burn orange curtain. We'll hear from Rodney Terry. You mentioned the basketball. He has used a, a football play of this year to fire up his basketball team. Show what it takes to be a champion. Uh, we'll have that for you also. Steve Sarkeesian and Mike Gundy on the big game coming Saturday in Arlington. It's Hook'em Up with Ian Rod B. Nick Shuley hanging out. I'm all right. Nobody but about me. Why you got to give me a fight? Can't you just let it be? I'm right. At the Turn is presented by Callahan's General Store. Helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's day. Indeed it is. Yesterday was a beautiful day. Callahan's General Store bringing you at the turn. We're halfway through our five-hour extravaganza on this Wednesday morning. So we're at the turn. We're nine holes in, nine holes to go with Nick Shuley hanging out. And let me say for Callahan's General Store, uh, who wants to help you keep your yard golf course ready, we recorded, Nick, our first golf course of the month, which will be our December feature. Uh, we're going to have a new course every month, tell the history of the courses, and uh, was excited to be out yesterday with our my, my good friend Omar Uresti uh, at Gray Rock Golf Club out in uh, South Austin. They're not by far from your house, Nick. That's going to be our December course of the month. Uh, Gray Rock, formerly Circle C, now run by the city for the last decade. And it is a really great golf course. Now, they were closed from the summer all the way until November. They redid the greens, uh, re-leveled out their, 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 tea, their tea boxes, which is really cool, and got out there. And um, Kevin Tracy, the, the head golf professional out there, was phenomenal. We had a good old time. Uh, it is, it's, it's in great shape. So get on back out there to Gray Rock and play some golf. Remember, it's owned by the city, so it's a muni, and it's open to the public. But they also, other, different than the other city courses, that you can do membership. They have a great tennis facility out there at Gray Rock. Uh, so pretty cool. So appreciate it. And let me say good luck to Omar Uresti. He's leaving today to drive to Arizona where he will participate in Champions Tour Q School. You know, trying to get your card You're to play on the tour or champions. Um, 90 players will tee off. Four will get their card. Four rounds of golf. <laughs> Think wow. about the pressure of that. Uh, I was talking to Omar yesterday. We had a great time. But good luck to Omar. He is Austin Golf. Crockett High School, University of Texas, and still trying to play at a very high competitive level. He can he'll hit it, still hit it straight in a long way. Uh, but you know, appreciate Callahan's General Store celebrating their 45th anniversary and bringing you the golf course of the month this year. This month into into December, it's going to be the Gray Rock Club Golf Club out there in uh, off Mopac. Your yep. neck of the woods. Yeah, it's my backyard. Is it? <laughs> Basically. Not as close as you are to a golf course, but it's, uh, I, could, I could throw something and probably hit it. It's a great spot. We had a good time out there yesterday. We'll have a full videos going up and all the socials, and we'll be telling you about uh, all the renovations they made and things they, they fixed and you know at, improved out there at Gray Rock. That'll be our course of December. Also saw, speaking of golf, in our At the Turn segment by Callahan's General Store, that uh, Tiger Woods is going to play in the Hero World Challenge this weekend down in the Bahamas. 
and says he thinks he's healthy enough to play one tournament a month during the season and walk all four rounds. We'll see. That would be a nice boost for golf when golf has been, you know, riding a pretty good wave. But that would be a, an added boost to have Tiger Woods back in competition. Uh, you know, he can't join the Champions Tour until he's 50. So he's got three more years to the Champions Tour. And then you can drive a cart, you know, and, and only play three rounds. But Tiger said he thinks he's there. And I, I you know, talked to some folks who um, have seen him. He, he was in an event in New Orleans with his son, Charlie. And he caddied for him. And everybody said he was walking without a limp. He was, you know, he says there's no pain in his ankle. Got some other issues he's got to deal with, but he thinks he's far enough back that he can – because the thing with Tiger is not about his swing. It's about the walking and the four rounds and what happens on Sunday. So we'll see. That'll be fun to watch. In our At the Turn segment, we'll keep you posted. And thank you to Callahan's General Store. Keep your uh, – with the cold weather months approaching, Callahan's has what you need to keep your lawns golf course ready, overseed, uh, the winter rye, pre-emergence for the weeds come the spring. Get into Callahan's General Store. They are the best, and they bring you At the Turn. At the Turn is presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's day. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, uh, behind the BOC... This is really cool. This is Deep Dive Behind the uh, Burn Orange Athletic Curtain. Can I play this for you? This is Rodney Terry, the Texas basketball coach, uh, Nick. And then I think you'll hear Dylan Mitchell here at the end of this cut. This came from one of the local TV stations, KXAN, Noah Gross again. Listen to this. This is Rodney Terry on a Zoom availability talking about how he's plucked a play that he thinks is the biggest play of the year for the Longhorns on their way to play for a Big 12 championship uh, that embodies what he wants his b- basketball team to be about using what Sark and his team did uh, earlier this year. Here's uh, Rodney Terry. That play right there really, again, at the start of the game, showed that, hey, there's going to be some adversity. There's going to be some challenges throughout the course of the game. But we have to keep playing. And, and you know, and, and keep him playing, you know, we stopped those guys from scoring down there and being in a position to score. Uh, and we got the ball back. You know, so to me, that was the biggest play of the season. But it showed the grit, the determination, and and the want to of that team. Where uh, it was an interception and the way he missed the tackle and then came all the way back down the field, chased him down, and made the dude fumble. And that learned – I mean, we they showed that at film first thing in the morning. So, you know, we learned a lot about that team just off their heart, how hard they play. Uh, so it's great being able to go out there and support a team like that for sure. Right, there's Dylan Mitchell and Rodney Terry. Talking about, obviously, the play in Fort Worth when uh, Jordan Whittington, um, there was the interception, uh, underthrown ball by Quinn Ewers, picked off, and Xavier Worthy uh, missed the tackle, and then Jordan Whittington missed the tackle, but jump up and chase down the player, force a fumble. Whittington forces it. Xavier recovers it. Uh, came a long way to do it. And interesting to hear Rodney say that's the, the biggest play of the year. No, it is. I mean, who knows if they win that game without that play uh, turned into a, a one-score game. Uh, that's that's you know borrowing from another coach. This is how we have to to think on the basketball floor. Yeah, I think I think we saw it a little bit against UConn. I mean, I don't, I don't think any anybody realistically gave Texas a chance in that game. They were missing their top two posts between Desue and Shedrick, and and that team still like it was it was a tough game. But they cut that down to six with I don't I think it was about five minutes left to go. Like that was that was still a game, and that's that was a big mismatch at that moment. So I, I think it I mean it's translating hopefully, and those guys see it. I also wanted to play this in our Behind the Burn Orange Curtain. Mike Gundy, of course, the opponent. Um, you know, Mike Gundy has had Texas's number. He's a heck of a coach, 7-3 and three in the last 10. And we talked about the roller coaster of a, of a season where, where this year they almost had a preseason. 
you know, first three games for Oklahoma State, Ollie Gordon only had 19 carries in three games, and now he could win the Doak Walker. Um, and then, you know, they Alan Bowman, they were rotating quarterbacks. They Three of them, they didn't know what they were. Then they got to their bye week, and they figured it out. Can I play this for Mike Gundy's press availability this week? This maybe takes you behind the scenes of why Mike Gundy's such a great coach and talking about his process when things aren't going well. Um, you know, he's, he's got coordinators, right? Everybody's got a role. Here's Mike Gundy with some good stuff on, uh, you know, how you improve as a team and, and make changes during a season. I don't know what goes on in other meetings with other head coaches, but on Sundays, I have of a, of a coach um, in a meeting. Well, I don't, I, I can only speak for myself. I don't know what goes on in other meetings with other head coaches, but on Sundays, I meet with the staff. I meet with the special teams for an hour. I meet with the defense for three hours, and I meet with the offense for two-ish. That being because offensively, I get it more, so I understand what's happening. Defensively, I have to have it explained to me at times, so it takes longer. Um, but if I see things that I feel responsible for as a head coach, not being a defensive guy, then I, I, I want answers of why this is happening. Is it a scheme? Is it not being coached well? Is it repetitive? Are we doing the same things over and over? Are we not cleaning up our mistakes? Are we not improving? <clears throat> and so when you're in a group of eight or 10 people at times, it can be a little critical. Uh, doesn't intend to be that way, but um, I mean, the people in that room aren't dumb. They get it. So there's times I have to say, this sucked. This scheme was, I don't understand this. This made no sense to me. Um, why did we do this? Somebody needs to explain this to me. There's nine guys in here. Everybody thought this was good. This is not good. Um, we have to have answers for the players. We have to give them answers and tell them why. Now, they might have missed a tackle. They might have lined up wrong. They might have got in the wrong gap. They might have dropped a coverage. But we have to give them a reason why if things aren't going the way they should be based on the talent levels. So that would be an example of being critical. But that's my job. All right, there you go, Mike Gundy. Uh, problem solver. He's the best. He is I, like I, I truly think he's the best coach in the Big Twelve. I think obviously, if we would have stuck around in the Big Twelve, I think Sark's on that ascension to be there. But as far you need you need guys that throw rocks in the water, that figure out ways to to break the norm and ways to to get by and do things. He's, he's a to me, he's like a Mike Leach. He's a he's somebody like that that just he understands the intricacies and like and figures out ways he just figures out ways to win and and regardless of who you're a fan of I just think I think he's great man I, I love Gundy well and I do think that he um I think a lot of what, what he does is a lot of coaches do on Sundays right that's why whenever you ask a college coach about NFL they we, we don't watch NFL we've, we've been at the facility for 10 hours breaking the tape and uh you know problem solving I mean, that's what you're doing you're problem solving um, and, you know, Mike Gundy had a lot of problems to solve in September when they were 2-2 two and two and had lost, lost to South Alabama 34-3 to three at home. Uh, so uh, that's pretty good stuff behind the, behind the cowboy curtain, but you know it goes on with Texas <laughs> The as other well. orange curtain. <laughs> because it was at that same availability, uh, Gundy had a quote that says, uh, Sark's going to stay in his box. Like, um, he, he, look, he knows what Sark is. Sark doesn't hide what he wants to do. He wants to pass early to set up the run. He wants to run. Uh, out the clock at the end. He wants big humans and speed. I mean, Sark, he's an open book on all of that. Uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to be what we are. Uh, and that's what kind of worries you. I mean, you know, Gundy's going to throw some things. I just don't think Oklahoma State has the, has the horses. This is a – you say what you want about X's and O's. This is a Jimmy's Joe's game. 
And Texas has the Jimmies in this yeah. game more than the Joes. Yeah, and in coach, I, I mean, I've coached basketball for years, and I think there's two schools of thought, right? There's, there's te- what Texas does now, which is we're going to do what we do, and we're going to be better than you, and you can know exactly what we do. It's the Larry Bird. I'm going to shoot it right here, and this is how we're going to win versus you have schemers and people that really figure out ways to get in there and, and kind of mess up what you do. And I think that's why this is a fun matchup. That's why I'm a little bit scared. I think, look, we have, we're a way better team, but that doesn't always translate. So we'll, we'll see. I think our guys are going to be ready, though. But yeah, I, I, The Michigan the Big Ten game and the Big 12 game, are the, in my mind, are the same game. The, the, the only team that can beat Michigan is Michigan in that game. The only team that can beat Texas in that game is Texas. I totally agree. Now Mike Gundy's going to try to force Texas to beat Texas. Now, I don't think there's any doubt about that. But, um, you know, look, at I think your point about, uh, you know, we're going to do it and you can't stop us. That's why Sark was so frustrated after the TCU game and everybody said he was too, too conservative. He wants to be able to run out the clock. He wants to be able to run the ball three times and get a first down. And they did it against, uh, Iowa, you know, against Iowa State. They did it against Texas Tech. They did it against Alabama. And they couldn't do it against TCU, and he was pissed. He's like, guys, we need to be able to move these people and get our – and then the fans, of course, we all said, well, you need to be throwing the ball. So I said, no, 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 this is what we do. And we, it's not – they didn't stop us. We stopped ourselves. We didn't execute the right block in the right place, and we didn't hit the right hole, and we didn't – we put ourselves in that position. I like that about Sark, that that's his belief. And, you know, most of the time his team's been able to do that this year. Yeah, and I, and I agree. And I think you'll see it at these it's, – it's part of the reason I think we haven't kind of beaten the brakes off of teams this year is because we'll have that moment where we're up by 10 or we're up by 14, and he says, all right, I know we can do this, that, and this, but I know we can run the ball. And then he'll do two straight running plays, and, so, and we'll, get, we'll kind of get behind the sticks. We'll get, you know, third and nine or something like that, and we end up throwing, come off the field, and we'll do it a couple times, and it kind of creeps back in. But I agree. I think we – in theory, he's correct. We should be able to do that, but for some reason, it doesn't always translate. And Especially that, against some of the teams in the Big 12, right? Yeah, I mean, totally agree. I mean, TCU, you should be able to move those. And I'm not saying they're bad players, but you've got the big humans. You know, if, you're, if you're executing your run game, uh, and that's why he was proud of what he saw against Iowa State, right, when they were able to run out the clock and not give the ball back with a 10-point lead. All right, we'll come back when we do. Uh, we go off the record, some stories uh, you haven't heard, but you need to, including why is Mark Cuban selling the Mavericks? We'll reset that coming up. Uh, we roll on. Nick Shuley is here as Rod recovered, and we're getting cranked up. It's a hook 'em up Wednesday edition. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live! I can, I'll write it, and we'll do it live! And thing sucks! Off the record, stories maybe you haven't heard that you should, including the uh, speculation surrounding Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. We've told you throughout the morning, selling his majority stake in the team, but will retain control of the team. And the off the record part of this is that there are some uh, growing conspiracies out there, conspiracies or growing theories that Mark Cuban, who also left the, the hit show Shark Tank this week, announced he's leaving that show. He's selling the Mavericks that he is planning a run for presidency, potentially. Uh, it's something that he's talked about before, um, but there are those in the political know who think maybe this is the ripe time, right, with what's going on with Donald Trump, and he's the leading Republican contender and has got uh, lawsuits and uh, things piling up for him. Uh, and then, of course, Joe Biden you know, struggling with his age, I think, for a lot of people. And where he's at, is he the best candidate to run on the Democratic side? So whichever side you're on, there's a little bit of concern. Uh, could Mark Cuban be a guy that... Uh, this is would this if, if that's what your aspiration is. If you have the ego, want to do that, Nick? Uh, now, if you sell the Mavericks and make two two and a half billion dollars, you have a war chest to go to work with. 
and you have he's a marketing guy. I know you you you're a marketing guy, Nick. But is you know could you see that being something Mark Cuban dabbles with? Or, and you don't dabble with that. You either do it or you don't. Yeah, I I could totally see it. I think for for his brand, it's a it's a great thing. And, I, and look, uh, like in a in a moment like this, I don't care where he said it's nice to have some some people that give a different perspective out there. And so like he is a uh, he will tell it how it is. It's it's kind of one of my favorite things about him. It's also what gets him in a little bit of trouble. But also, if you think about it from his perspective, it's only going to make him bigger as a personality, bigger as a brand. And I guarantee you that door is wide open to Shark Tank the second he wants to walk back in there. So sure. it's a uh, for for him. I think it's a. Well, I wouldn't say it's a it's a it's only a win because it's going to cost him a ton of money. But it it uh, I, I think overall for what he wants and what he is in his perception, I think it's it's a good thing well, if he does it. You know, of course, the last uh, big name that and rich guy that ran as an independent. I don't know where Cuban would run if he'd pick a party or if he'd run independent. Ross Perot, yeah, right? a Dallas guy, From Dallas guy, right? <laughs> uh, so there was a lesson there, and he kind of shook things up. We'll see. I mean, and there's also talk out of Dallas that he wants to buy a casino or he wants there, there's something wrong with him. So let's hope the best and for Mark Cuban. But there is something happening. You don't make these moves without a plan. Yeah, uh, I hope it's something picture. good. He's, yeah. he's great. But if he is going to run, uh, you know, look, he's he, – but see, the Donald Trump thing is taught so much. I mean, you would think – remember, the Mavericks have had some pretty big scandals, right? They had the sexual harassment thing in the organization. But Trump has proved that scandals don't matter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, you, you can say things, do things. It doesn't matter to anybody. Uh, other side as well. I mean, both sides have, you know, scandal doesn't seem to, to bother. Yeah, it's the world we live in right now. Uh, used to be maybe that it did. But, I mean, we, you also, we also used to elect generals, right? Yeah. <laughs> we also used to elect, um, you know, generals who were trained at West Point for years and led, led us on the battlefield. That's who we used to elect. Now we seem to elect celebrities. Yeah, it started with, started with Reagan, right? Is oh, he yeah. the first celebrity? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and, and obviously Cuban has a lot of name awareness and brand recognition and, um, you know, from Texas or at least lives in Texas. So could there, that's a very conservative state. when you're trying to cobble together a, a base of, of voters that would win you the election or at least get you in the mix. Again, we're going way down the road here, but <laughs> it is interesting. There's a, he, like, he loves his team. He loves the Mavericks. He's not selling the team. You know, because I do believe if he'd made a run, he'd have to give up controlling interest of the team at that point. Like, he couldn't run the team at that point if that becomes an announcement. But for right now, the fact that he's selling it, the NBA is saying and to the NBA, we're, you know, I'm still in control here. But he could rescind that pretty quick, much like Trump did when he rescinded, you know, control of his empire, of business, yeah, well, real estate empire. We'll see. It's interesting. We'll see. And now would be the time. I mean, this is – you're now into November, right? One year away to the election cycle. Um Christmas coming up, this would be a, a, a probably the right time. But that is out there, just off the record, off the record. It's also uh, National Clean-Out Your Leftovers Day. Of course, if you've got anything left over from Thanksgiving, time to get rid of it. Time to get rid of it, Nick. Or just make like a stew or something or a pot pie. You could do that. Also, I saw this Home Alone is America's favorite holiday film to rewatch. Did you know that? Uh, that makes 34%. sense. 34%. That or, that or Elf. Or Die Hard. Edging out a Christmas story. Huh? Charlie Brown Christmas, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and Elf. Top five. Christmas Vacation 6. That might be my winner with Cousin Eddie. Oh, it's the best. <laughs> hey, we'll come back. Uh, pick it up on the other side two hours ago. Nick will have set list ATX. Alex Okafer will join us, a lifetime legendary Longhorn. Talk some Texas football and a project he's got going on. We go all the way to 11 o'clock with a Wednesday edition of Hook 'em Up on 1019 AM 1260. Stream it on the Horn app, on your smart speaker, and at hornfm.com.